Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Joff Lacey. We're out and about in nature. And helping others in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Joff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. This week we bring you news of a giant's head in Queen Elizabeth Country Park and an update on what's going on down on the farm at Durley Marsh. We also find out the latest on how Petersfield's local agencies and residents are coordinating efforts to provide a helpful and warm welcome to Ukrainian refugees in our area. As usual, John Walker from the Petersfield Post has your Petersfield news and Susie's wild walk this week is all about a river of adventure. We end the Peapod with a new song called Clever Clogs from Portsmouth-based Tommy Brown featuring Kylie Earle. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. Hello, Claire. How are you? Hi, Jov. All right, now, thanks. Where you? are we this week? We've come back to your back garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking lovely. The yes, yes. Forget-me-nots are in bloom. It's beautiful. Is that what they are? Yes. <laughs> as, as you can see, I've probably got a lot of control over the garden. I, I, I cut the grass and do the borders. That's about my, uh, my level. Well, and grow potatoes this year. And grow potatoes. As you, they're in that, well, once again, good radio. They're in that pot behind you, Claire. So yeah, here's hoping. We'll give you an update. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you an update on how they're going. So, Claire, how's your week been? It's been quite busy, actually. I managed to see some really, really good friends of mine since nice. I last saw you. Hadn't seen them for quite a while, so really lovely to see their faces again. Um, and, yeah, been to the tip. Had a first uh, clean-out of the garage. We tend to clean it out probably five, six times a year. Oh, right. <laughs> Don't know what happens in there. But it was our first one of the year and uh, booked... An appointment or a, a slot. A slot at the a tip. slot at the tip, which I really think is a, good, is, you know, is a good idea. They've kept that, actually. For me, it works for me anyway, because it focuses your mind. I think it? so. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know where you're going in, because prior to lockdown and the changes, you could queue for half an hour, 45 minutes, then they'd shut the gate because one of the yes. bins were full, yeah. and it, you could be gone for about an hour and a half. Yeah. Now, you can roll along, empty your car, off you go. Yeah, exactly. And we did that, except... I can't help but going for a little look inside their reuse section, their little shop there. Well, then you need to come to our garage, because <laughs> we do. We Five years ago, I put things to one side to say, right, look, I've been that. Oh, no, we can sell it. So we try to sell it. Still there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I remember a time where my, my youngest was surprised that garages are used to park cars. Because <laughs> ours is just full of rubbish. Yeah, we don't get our car in ours either. We could have a garage sale. Have you thought about doing that? No. People no. don't do that so much here, no. do they? They do in America a lot. Right. But uh, not but here. But yeah, I'm glad you used a tip because I, I went for a, a walk over the weekend. And um, there's so much fly tipping going on. Oh, it's no. really sad to see there was three bags of insulation, just in carrier bags. And you think, come on. It really... But it's then the same. I was going to get on my horse with that. And then it's the same with dog bag, dog poo bag. You know, it's just... People are just... It's, shocking. It's, it's shocking behaviour. Shocking, shocking behaviour. Right, it? No. it really... Yeah, it's... Well, I was thrilled when I went to the tip and looked in the little second-hand shop. Oh, did you get anything? Because I was looking for a chest of drawers for one of my daughters. Yes. And, and there was one. It was, it was supposed to happen. And so I, I bought it, sanded it down the same day, and Ooh, um, yeah, I went, went with the motivation. Yep. And, uh, and repainted it, uh, waxed it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much as good as new. Just waiting for some new draw knobs now, have which been, are coming have, in the post. Have you been watching Money for Nothing? No. <laughs> no I'm But Go to the tip and up, upcycle. Do they? No, no. I, 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 have, I do this occasionally. I have sort of spurts. I haven't done it for a while. Right. But uh, I've, there's a couple of things in our house that I've, I've done that to. I, don't, I quite like getting the sander out and getting a bit mucky. <laughs> It's been a good project, and it, it has turned out it's turned out quite nicely. So quite a, nice. a good little little thing to do this week. So how has your week been then, well, Geoff? Claire, by the time this goes out, I am now fifty. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you very Happy much. birthday! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, if you, uh, we had a small family gathering at Queen's Head yesterday, which went very well, and uh, I met with John. He wished me happy birthday, which was lovely, and uh, yeah. 
don't feel any different at the moment. So uh, here's hoping that continues. Yeah. Well, keep celebrating. This one you can, you know, you can extend a bit. Well, yes. So um, I've actually treated myself to, we're staying in. I'm going to do a barbecue. I haven't done a barbecue yet this year. And with some nice tomahawk steaks from Morgan's. And they are huge. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Like me. Treat yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I'm pleased you're having a barbecue. It's it's slightly disturbed me, Joff, actually, that you haven't had a barbecue yet this year. No, and we've had some lovely weather. We have. But what I've got, had it about three years now, it's um, an electric hot plate. You're not meant to use it outside, but we only use it when it's dry. And it's, um, you can heat the, you knob of butter on there, and it, you could be cooking within five minutes. And it does fish beautifully. It really does. It keeps it really moist. And sometimes you think, I could be cooking in five minutes, or do I wait 20 minutes, 25 minutes for the barbecue? So I have done a lot of outdoor cooking already this year. It just hasn't been on the barbecue. Your birthday will be the first one. First one of the year, yes. Excellent. Pleased to hear it. So, Kate, yes, we've got some exciting peapods coming up, haven't we? We have. I'm really looking forward to the next month or so. Now, where are we on the 7th of May? Because I'm excited. So we're going to be in the Physic Garden, Probably from the morning onwards, I would right. say, um, we're going to be with the Petersfield Beekeepers Association. And we had such a great time last time, didn't we? We got, did. We got dressed up, looked <laughs> the part. <laughs> we did. I'm not sure if we're going to be doing that this time. We're going to be on safari, Joff. Yes, and do you, whenever you say on safari, I think of Christopher, the Christopher Biggins show from the 80s. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we first discussed this, uh, we actually hooked out the clip didn't we did. on youtube it was the music the music that took me back so um if anyone has uh, a pith helmet they'd like to lend me um i do want to look the part get some long baggy shorts uh, some, so yeah please do get in touch here at shine radio if you've got a pith helmet which fits a large head <laughs> and also of course if you're interested in pollinators and beekeeping that's the event to attend it's the physic garden on the 7th of may and and we'll be there too we're looking forward to it we are definitely so as you know we love to hear from you so if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi get in touch we're on 01730 for a call or a whatsapp or you can email team at shineradio.uk Coming up, internationally acclaimed environmental artist Mark Ford introduces his latest giant creation. And that's after the latest local news with Joff and John Walker. Hello John, how are you? Very well mate, it's a bit echoey down this alleyway, but there we go. <laughs> yes, but there we go. So, we haven't seen each other for a couple of weeks, how you been? I've been very well and I hear you're a year older than you were last time I saw you. It's actually tomorrow John, but I reached the big 5-0. Uh, so, yeah, so what's happened in the world of John Walker over the last two weeks or so? Well, I had a very pleasant last Sunday when I didn't have to get out of bed to rush down here too early. But, no, no, oh, and happy birthday for tomorrow, Geoff. You don't look a day over 55. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just been a usual couple of weeks. The weather's fine, sunny. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been fun. All been good. So, John, what news has landed on your desk this week? Yeah, I don't know how you can make something as simple as work sound so dramatic. <laughs> you make me sound like it's Watergate on my front room every day. Uh, no, nothing really, in a nutshell. <laughs> but, I'm sure there's been lots of news gracing the pages of the Peterson Post. Well, of course, this weekend coming, we've got the uh, Pub Sevens, I believe, down at the Peterson Rugby Club, always a big event, well supported, 24 teams, I think, hundreds of people, music, burgers, beer... Rugby. If it's sunny, what more could you want on a Sunday? Sunday. Will you be gracing the fields? No, Joff, I'll be gracing the beer tent as it happens. <laughs> My days of appearing in the sevens are long gone. Back when the balls had laces and things like that. <laughs> the uh, Durford Road crossroads, still in the same area as the rugby club pretty much, is not moving forward at all. Their residents want um, traffic lights and a pelican crossing. And the council wants traffic calming. Uh, I'll leave it to everybody to decide what they think is best. The reason they can't have traffic lights, they say, is because there's £300,000 allocated to make that road safer for pedestrians and traffic. 
and the, lever, uh, the uh, traffic lights and Pelican Crossing, bizarrely enough, would cost £300,000, give or take, which seems to me to be pretty excessive for what they are. But there we go, that's nearly £100,000 of light. <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't know, you have to wonder. But of course, the longer it goes on and the more meetings they have and the more consultations they have and the more plans they draw up and discussions they have, the smaller that £300,000 gets because that's where the money is coming from for all these discussions and consultations. So leave it another couple of years and that'll be £150,000. So anyway, I'm sure something will happen down there at some point in my lifetime. And talking about the spending of money, I believe there's uh, they're looking at adapting the festival hall a little bit more by having an orchestra pit, is that right? Oh yes, yeah, 800 odd thousand for a... Yes, but I think you have to put this into... An orchestra pit is a great thing. If you're on a night out and you go into a show, an orchestra pit is a wonderful thing. It adds to the the evening, it adds to the performance, it's brilliant. However, that's in a a proper theatre, it's been used five nights a week. So they want to put an orchestra pit in the festival hall, they're talking about this, 875,000 I think. Certainly around that mark and um, they hardly have an orchestra in there at all there's probably six times a year at the most and the rest of the time something that could buy a house for four people in this town if they were lucky will be used for storage so they'll be putting their chairs in there the spare bins they've got the council's <laughs> photocopier paper and it's a bargain I think £875,000 or whatever it is for a bit of storage, which can occasionally be used as an orchestra pit. And to me, that just kind of sums up the whole of the festival hall saga. It's it's full of wish lists. It's just a big, if only we could. And I, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. But they're getting on, spending getting on towards a million already, just compiling their if only we could list. And, you know, have they got nothing better to spend their money on then? Now, I also believe the people of Petersfield have led to some potential changes within the county. Yeah, um, last year, um, a lady called Julie Yardley, along with quite a lot of other people, I have to say, raised the issue of pesticides being used to weed kill in the town. Um, Pesticides that, in particular, contained a chemical called glyphosate, which they say is hazardous to cats, dogs and human beings. I don't doubt that it is hazardous to people, but clearly not hazardous, hazardous, hazardous in the fact that if you've got a drop on your foot, you're going to suddenly turn into a steaming skeleton. It's not quite as bad as that, but yeah, I get it. And they uh, lobbied the Town Council and Hampshire County Council and East Hampshire District Council. Petersfield Town Council, quite rightly, fairly quick off the mark, led the way, said they won't use any more pesticides that contain this glyphosate. And then Hampshire County Council have now announced that they're going to run a trial scheme in Petersfield to look at alternative ways of weed killing. Quite interesting ways of, you know, there's obviously doing it by hand. They're going to do it by electrical means. I don't know if that's some sort of weed cattle prod affair. Fire, and as I understand the fire thing, is like a a flamethrower thing. So, I mean, that doesn't sound particularly good for cats either, to be honest with you. If the bloke happens to swing around unexpectedly. Um, I don't know, I'm I'm fantasising there. Yeah, so they're going to try all these methods in Petersfield, thanks to the campaigners, and whichever one is the most successful, they will look at and could use it right across the county. So a reasonable-sized campaign group in Petersfield have made what, could be uh, changed the Hampshire County Council's policy right across the county for weed killing. And fair play to them. It just goes to show that if you work hard at something, you can get a result. And uh, we've touched on this over the last few weeks or so. You'll be pleased to know that the barriers are still up at the bottom of Torway, the entrance into the the Festival Hall car park. Uh, So they've been knocked over three times this week. But uh, it's good to know that they're still there saving the people because there's no barrier on the pathway. 
I do think you need to get out more, Joff, to be honest with you. But, yeah, no, it's good. And, well, it's good. No, it's not. It's just laughable, really, isn't it, to be honest with you? Weeks and weeks and weeks and nobody's done anything about it. I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that particular bridge is one of these things that falls into who owns it. The pavement on Tour Way would be clearly Hampshire County Council. The Festival Car Park is Petersfield Town Council slash EHDC. And I will guarantee that when that bridge was put up, they just put it up and nobody's... And now they're probably bickering over who owns it, which I think is a wonderful thing. I love to see councils fighting each other over nonsense things like barriers and stuff. Yeah, and just on a note there, we're talking about Petersfield Town Council. The vandalism that was carried out at the pavilion last year, the lad who carried it out didn't get punished to any public degree, didn't have to apologise, didn't go to court. The uh, council wrote to the Hampshire Police and Crime Commissioner Donna Jones asking that why she wrote back and said, basically, that's how it is, tough luck. And the council has now shut the book on that incident because there's nothing more they can do. But <clears throat> you have to wonder, and they did a good thing, putting up CCTV on the Avenue Pavilion, Bell Hill Play Area, wreck, and the skate park... And it appears, through no fault of their own, that that 15 grand may well have been wasted because it looks as though nobody's ever going to be prosecuted, even if they are filmed actually doing damage, which I think is a shame. Brilliant, John. Uh, It's great catching up with you, and I'll see you very soon. Thank you. Well, next time I see you, you'll be 51 in a week. (laughs) Thank you, mate. The Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and now costs a round pound, worth every single penny. So please do pick one up with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. There's a new sculpture at the Queen Elizabeth Country Park and it's one you're sure not to miss. This arts and heritage project, supported by the Southdowns National Park Authority, encourages us all to stop a minute and take in our natural surroundings. Which we're doing today, Claire. We are. (laughs) (laughs) So the sculpture depicts Ascapart, a legendary giant from Hampshire folklore and celebrates a long mythological history of giants in this area. Claire met with environmental artist Mark Ford next to and inside Ascapart, the giant's head. I've come to Queen Elizabeth Country Park to find out more about a giant's head that's taken residence here. And the person to tell me more about this is sculptor Mark Ford. Hi, Mark. Hello. Now, this is quite an incredible sculpture you've created here. Can you tell me more about it, please, and, and why? OK, yes, yeah, so this is the head of Ascapart the Giant, reportedly who lived and resided within the South Downs. He was the squire of a knight called Bevis, Bevis the Knight, who was based in Southampton. So in the Bargate in Southampton, there's a, there's a relief of Bevis and Ascapart carved into some of the stonework there but the story it goes way back to the crusades and it's it's one of the few non-arthurian stories about knights so i think it was written like in 1330 and it's quite a tale it's, it goes on and on it goes goes to damascus and armenia and fights the king of scotland and but ascapart the giant yes it's reportedly 30 feet high one of the smaller visit of his kind and uh, he had a club that was a whole tree. He could carry horses under his arm, all kinds of things he would, he would do. But he was imprisoned, and the wife of Bevis the Knight was his jailer. So, yes, yeah, so that's the little bit about the giant himself, but the sculpture that I've made is just of his head, obviously because of scale, um, and you can go inside the head. I prefer sculpture that you can go inside and interact with rather than just look at. And inside there is a large bench big enough for a whole family to sit on or people to lie down and to sort of experience nature of this wonderful woodland. The sculpture is made of uh, hazel and willow, which I grow myself. I grow the willow. I have a willow bed um, over in Barnum and uh, sometimes I cut in Godalming as well. I tend to use a variety called Viminalis. It's really vigorous. It grows about three metres a year. But there are other colours too, a bit of basket willow and also the hazel. I'm part of a network of artists and craftspeople who work the woodlands in the South Downs National Park. And so what's really great for me is overstood hazel coppice, where it's not been managed for a long time. So it's not in rotation, not in a cycle where it's cut regularly. You have this dense canopy, and from that you get bolt sun shoots, really. So rods of hazel that find the sunlight, and they could be eight, nine metres tall. 
and only sort of I'm mixing my diameters here, uh, but maybe sort of inch, inch and a half across. So they're bolt upright and they're perfect for making domes and structures. And I've been making structures for, I don't know, maybe 25 years on and off and very fortunate to have traveled quite extensively to make structures. I mean, I was back in February, March, I was in Texas, did a couple of projects out there. It was great to go into a junior high just outside Austin and uh, work with the students there. And then I went to a Waldorf school and made a sculpture for them and worked with the older students there. That's incredible. What a wonderful job you have. This sculpture here of the giant's head is stunning. He's a character, isn't he? He really is a wonderful character. You've got his eyebrows coming off to the side, you know, with the hair. The ears are amazing. You've sculpted those just beautifully. And he's got his his eyes, his nostrils. You've put a moustache and a, a goatee beard. I mean, obviously, this is from folklore. There aren't any pictures or anything. So were you given a brief about how to create him? I wasn't given a brief about how to create him and there are the odd sort of woodcut or engraving because it's such an old story. The story is over 700 years old. So I thought, well, I want to do a big head and I want it to be a giant, not like the BFG, but also not to look sinister. So I wanted him to look friendly, but not like the big friendly giant. So yeah, he does have like a cavalier sort of goatee beard with a moustache. He is friendly looking. He's not frightening at all. And it's very enticing to go inside. I think yeah, we have okay, a little, little inside. wander inside. And there's a door here to the right, just by his ear. And, and we're inside. It's a very different atmosphere in here. I mean, how tall would you say the structure is? I'd say about three metres, uh, maybe three metres diameter. And this structure will last for how long? Of course, it's, a, it's ephemeral. So it's made of natural materials and it will decay. My intention is that it will last for about five years. Maybe I'll come by and weave some more into it or it'll just uh, decay and the National Park will put something else in its place. So what other structures have you created in the past then, Mark? So for the past sort of 25 years, I've been weaving structures in this area. One of the things I've, I've loved to do is an annual workshop with University College London, the archaeology group, which has led me to do some structures at Sir Ancient Farm. So it's the new term of uh, students. So they, they come up from London and gain some new skills. So they look for things in the archaeological record. I do Paleolithic, ancient woven structures that you could easily build in a day and throw an animal skin over as a like a small woven house in the past i've been the organizer of the arundel gallery trail so one of my responsibilities was to exhibit on both roundabouts and on the arundel castle wall so i've made some big structures for there the grange opera house over in northington did a like a 12 meter moustache for the barber of seville that was quite good and uh, a circle of woven trees for the opera falstaff and we'll be exhibiting there again this year, paintings this time. Also, Chisley Cathedral. I've done a few projects inside there, one, one of which was the Spire of Peace, which was a, a 10-metre-tall uh, spire. We worked with probably about two or 300 school children to make giant butterflies, white butterflies, and people would go in there and leave their thoughts on the armistice and war and peace and whatever thoughts they had about that. And that was, that was 2018. Another project I'm involved in is the Creative Spark. So there's a team of us uh, as part of Chichester Festivities. We've been going into schools and community groups, uh, leading workshops for uh, a parade that's on June the 10th through Chichester. We're doing workshops in Chichester, Petworth, Midhurst and uh, the Manhood Peninsula. And how can people find out more about these workshops or, or book themselves on them? So you can find out about the event and uh, sign up for any workshops through the Chichester Festivities website or Creative Spark online. How did you get involved with weaving, with making these sculptures? I've, I think I've always been weaving. So I grew up uh, near Bosham, just outside the South Downs National Park, a village called Hambrook, and I spent a lot of time at Kingley Vale, which is a, another nature reserve. Kingley Vale has trees which are over 500 years old. They, it's one of the largest yew forest in Europe. And uh, that is my inspiration growing up. It's just I imagined myself being some sort of ancient warrior or something striding the South Downs. So I got fascinated with tracks, trackways, animal tracks, and uh, also shelter building. And so I, yes, yeah, so probably from the age of sort of eight, nine, ten years old, I've been making woven structures, not necessarily as, as play structures, although I do make play structures for schools and for 
private commissions, but it's just great to be inside something that you've made. It is. Well, actually, I agree with you there because it is great to be inside it. How long did it take to make this giant's head? I've been making this structure for about three weeks on and off. So it's about 80 or 90 hours of weaving. That doesn't include the time it's taken me to actually coppice and harvest the materials. And is there anything you'd like to add to the giant that you haven't already done so? There are areas of this giant where, yeah, you could just keep going. You could make it really solid, not airtight, but you could make it so that the light doesn't come through. And I quite like the light, the little dappled light coming through on the bench and on the forest floor. And through the eyes. I think that's, that's amazing. Through the eyes and through the nose. What is great, actually, is when families come in here, you know, you have the parents sticking their heads out the, the eyes and the children sticking their heads out the nostrils. And this is very much a structure for people to enjoy when they come to the park here. The giant folklore, they're they're very interesting stories from around here, but there used to be a giant chair here as well. Uh, In this woodland, there was a giant chair. So there was one in the 1970s, and that was replaced uh, in the 1990s, I believe, and then it was taken down. There's an artist called Laura Buckle, uh, locally based, and she spent her degree researching where was the chair and uh, made a wonderful film. And she deserves acknowledgement. Now, I understand this project came out of lockdown for you. And it's important for you to be able to have people to enjoy the sculpture, to take a moment out of their lives, just to rest and enjoy nature for what it is. What inspired that? So, yeah, the Stop a Minute project, or the Head of Ascapart, was commissioned and funded by the South Downs National Park. The intention was for people to share moments together from the normal day-to-day stresses of life, especially since COVID lockdowns, through creativity, accessing outdoor spaces, encouraging people to play, explore and discover their national park, particularly as we are in a beautiful spot uh, surrounded by beach woodland. This is a new destination, so people can come here, they can meet, they can explore the surrounding, but this is a place of sort of creative contemplation. So you can come and sit in here to stop for a minute and if you have a thought or you write a poem or do a drawing or even sing a song, you can upload that to the Stop A Minute Facebook page. There's a QR code with the bench. Scan that and then upload your thoughts, your ideas, any feedback around this project. Thank you very much, Mark, for telling us more about your beautiful giant's head. Thank you. Hello. Oh, that looks nosy. really cool. Have you made that? Yeah. That looks amazing. That's Hello. amazing. <laughs> How was it, Claire? It's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> And if you'd like to visit Ascapart's head, go to Queen Elizabeth Country Park and head to the Juniper Car Park. It's just past the barbecues and you've got to go over the assault course. The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. Susie goes on a river of adventure and finds joy in this week's Wild Walk. If you can hear a slight splashing, it actually isn't my dog. I'm in this wonderfully tranquil place, a completely new wild walk, because one of my dear friends is moving. And yesterday we came to see where she's moving to, and I was just so taken with this. And I'm actually sitting in one of her secret spots. So I'm not actually going to say exactly where this is, but it's coming out of the village of Stedham. So it's opposite where I would often walk at Iping. And um, and it's just been so tranquil and silent here. But suddenly we've got people walking their dogs and some of them swimming. So I don't feel so bad about rain going in elsewhere. But we could just see the most wonderful things that, you know, it's like going back in time. It's almost like an Agatha Christie village, if you don't know it. Everything is honey-coloured stones. It's almost like the Cotswolds. But looking back, there's a bridge that reminds me of Derbyshire. Um, If you can hear voices, it's people chatting to Richard, who's got rain further up. And yesterday when we were here, it was sort of chitty-chitty-bang-bang sort of car went through. And today, a twin-engined aircraft went over. So it reminded me absolutely of... Um, it wouldn't be the Castle of Adventure, it'd probably be the River of Adventure or something like that with the Stuart Trevelyan illustrations from um, Anina Blyton. So we went from sort of um, post-First World War through to the 
post-Second World War yesterday. And uh, we've been watching Why Didn't They Ask Evans? So it's probably very much in my mind, sort of people wearing bags and things. Well, I wanted to share with you the, the quiet here and the bird song. It's just so peaceful. There are wooden enemies, bluebells coming up, primroses, dog mercury, so you can see it's very, very old. And part of the reason I wanted to share it is I feel living in the south as we do, it's almost as if it's all going to be concreted over. And it's just so refreshing to come somewhere not so distant from the coast. <gasps> I've just seen a kingfisher. I said I thought I would. Just an absolute electric flash of blue. Because it's, oh, it's just the opposite bank is so sandy and there are tiny holes there and just this, I can't see it anymore. So don't worry, I haven't frightened it away. It just literally has flashed along like an electric blue shock. They are so beautiful. And I'm going to take that as a good omen. I was talking about good omens. Uh, it's Easter. It's regeneration. Let's be happy. And sometimes I think that can be a choice. I know it isn't all the time. But if everything else is equal, let's try and find the joy where we can. And boy, I found it this afternoon. And I'm sharing it with you. And there goes the twin-engined aircraft again. Have a lovely week. Coming up, we bring you our latest What's On guide and news from Paul Abbott at Durley Marsh Farm. Before that, Shine Radio's Stephen Martin spoke to Steve Field, chair of the agency's Working Together group from Petersfield's Town Council. Steve explained the latest situation as refugees from Ukraine start to arrive in Petersfield. So I think the, the need is, is, is very strong, uh, clearly, in the country itself. In some of the bordering countries, it, it's, it's uh, you know, a very uh, difficult situation where they're trying to help lots and lots of refugees coming over from Ukraine. As you get further out, and obviously we are that much further away, uh, we, uh, I would say, have got a little bit more time just to get sort of uh, ready for uh, folks from Ukraine who, who wish to come here. So, for example, uh, we know of uh, seven Ukrainians who have now been hosted with three families um, who have been uh, given uh, the welcome hamper. Those have been well received, um, very much so. So we thank Petersfield Cleaning Services for, for that uh, effort. Then we move into other uh, requirements. We've uh, looked with the Petersfield Area Churches together, the idea, the possibility of uh, maybe a day centre somewhere where we can provide some space for uh, the, the Ukrainians to meet together. What we've got to be really careful of is that, that we're not bestowing things on them, but rather trying to understand what their needs are uh, and trying to meet that need. And at times of trouble, the people of Petersfield famously always step up. What kind of support? Famously, you... Steve, yes, I think that, that's a good word. Is it happening now? It definitely is. Um, I was only talking to a lady today, actually, who uh, rang because she so, so wants to help uh, what she has seen on the TV. And, and that's an understandable response. But it's all about just being sure that we are offering the things that are needed, that we use that energy and we use that resource that's being offered for the things that people are going to need. And what are you in need of right now? So right now, on a local basis, we're, we're meeting needs like um, really just assuring, um, giving hosts sort of that sense that there is uh, a group of agencies ready to help and support in any way we can. And that could be sort of simple things like, for example, the cost of a rail ticket for a uh, Ukrainian needing to go to London to collect their NI number, which apparently uh, they're having to do in some cases. You have to do that physically. You can't just get that over the internet. Uh, apparently it's physically, yes. Okay. They have to go and uh, show themselves. Things locally like transport. So uh, many of our guests, as I'm calling them, are sort of out in places like um, Ramsdean, Steep. Um, and so we're looking to, if you like, provide some of that transport to get people into the town from the villages.
And people in Petersfield listening to this now who may be considering uh, making a room available in their house or if they're fortunate enough to have an annex that could be provided, what would your advice be to them right now? Okay, well, the best advice probably is to go on to the East Hants District Council website, uh, look up the section that says Ukraine. Um, you have to register yourself as a uh, a person who wants to host, um, but you also have to identify the people that you want to host, and that's still the case. Um, and my understanding is that there are various organisations who can help you with that. And I, I suspect if if you go on to um, the East Hants website or indeed on the Petersford Resource Hub website, um, you will find somewhere there that there are groups of people trying to you know, help in bringing people from Ukraine uh, across. You say seven people from Ukraine are now settling into the Petersfield area. That, that we know of. And from the information you're getting from these professional agencies, how high do you think that number's going to go for Petersfield? How much of a Ukrainian community could we foster here in the town? Well, the numbers that we were given from uh, East Hans, so that's the, the official government line, um, was round about 160. That was the last count of potential people coming into the East Hans area. I've met personally myself with uh, some of these, these people already. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so they are here. They are around us. And, of course, none of them really wanted to be in Petersfield. And, and these are people who have been uprooted from their homes. They may have seen some horrible things. Uh, these are life-changing moments for them. What kind of care, pastoral care, is available in that network of uh, expert agencies to ensure that they are you know, properly, emotionally looked after here? So, um, only this week, I was talking to um, Petersfield Counselling Services, uh, and they have offered some of their time. Uh, the King's Arms is uh, another place where um, they will be able to give support to the under-18s. Of course, there are also the, the uh, agencies such as MIND that deal with, with kind of mental health and, and those sorts of issues. I think you're right in saying, Stephen, that you know, these, we, we have to remember where these people are coming from uh, and, and maybe what they've seen. It must be an absolute awful uh, situation to have to one see that but to come away from it and leave your home uh, to then come to a, a place um, uh, you know to be looked after. Well I'm sure Petersfield will put forward uh, the best possible welcome for people in such terrible circumstances. There is resource available online if you want to find out more. I think the Petersfield Resource Hub is a great place to start. We'll put the link at shineradio.uk. And Steve Field from Petersfield Town Council, thank you very much for thank updating you. us today. Thank you very much. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? Tickets are still available for the Winton Players production of A Bunch of Amateurs. Taking place from the 28th to the 30th April at the Festival Hall, evening performances start at 7.30 with a matinee at 2.30 on the 30th. To purchase tickets, go online to the Winton Players website or in person from the Festival Hall or One Tree Books. And you can also now purchase tickets for Made in Dagnum. This musical production is from the Petersfield Theatre Group and takes place from May the 18th to May the 21st. For more information and ticket sales, go to the Petersfield Theatre Group's website. It's the Petersfield Farmer's Market this coming Sunday, May the 1st, in the town square. With fresh and seasonal fruit and veg, bread, cider and more, the market will take place from 10am until 2pm. The Petersfield Museum will host a screening of the film The Bridge on the River Kwai on Wednesday the 27th of April at 7.30pm. Taking place in the unique setting of the Courthouse Cinema, tickets are £7 and refreshments will be available too from the fully licensed Courtyard Cafe. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. You can choose from a selection of great programmes, which are available to listen to on demand, or tune in to the brighter mix of music, local news and weather. There's a new episode of The Ticket, the arts and entertainments programme from Shine Radio's Laura Shepherd. In this edition, you'll hear from the British Sugarcraft Guild, the Dementia Choir and writer-director Ben Tanner, amongst others. To listen to the ticket and other programmes, tune in to shineradio.uk. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. 
Now, it was a windy day down on the farm at Durley Marsh when Claire met with Paul Abbott. But they battled through the hubbub and banging of doors. With the farm shop stocked, seedlings sprouting and asparagus on the way, there's a lot going on, as Paul explains, including a new online planting series with his young son called Arthur, encouraging children and families to grow together. Hi, Paul. It's great to be back at Durley Marsh Farm. And it's April, busy growing season. What have you got coming up at the farm this year? Hi, Claire. Good to see you back here again. As you can see, we always pick days when we've got bad weather conditions. Hence, we're now inside. Last time, God above was given us thunderstorms, and today we've got heavy winds. So it, either it's you got bad luck or me, I don't know. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> growing season. Well, here at Durley, we're madly um, starting to do most of the propagating and also plant a few things in the field. So we've got things like broad beans, which were on our second sowing, some early carrots, beetroot, and we'll be planting on every week now, right through the spring season. So yeah, yeah, we're quite busy. We prepare everything for the growing season, for the strawberries, so it never stops here. Winter can be quiet on the outside, but on the inside of Durley Marsh, we're pretty uh, pretty busy full-time all year round. And do you have anything new for this year? I know last year when we came up to record a pea pod with you, you were talking about the strawberries, which are now raised up off the ground. Is that continuing, obviously, this year? And is there anything new? We're trying to always look for something new here. We're going to do a big cut flower section. People cut their own flowers. We hope to try to have a lady in to join us to show how to arrange the flowers. So that would be quite fun. We're, we're still continuing with new ideas in regards to strawberry propagation. So we're doing raised beds, but we're also trying to keep the chemical side of spraying off weeds and that to a minimum. So we're actually planting on raised beds in the ground and covered with a, a matting. So again, we get less weeds, etc, etc. Uh, so we're always trying to push forward with new ideas. The hardest part of any farming, you're relying on the weather. And for example, last year we had a poor year purely because we had a late frost and it wiped out 60% of our fruit because, you know, again, these things happen, it's out of our control and uh, you do struggle with it. And today it is really blowing a gale out there, isn't it? Blowing an absolute hooli. But no, we'll march on, we'll march on, we, we keep on going. That's what us farmers do. So how did you start off growing? What's your background? Well, I was lucky. I, I grew up on the Darling Buds of May factory. I had the most wonderful, wonderful grandparents that uh, anyone could ever meet. And they taught me a lot about life, like I am with Arthur at the moment. I think when you're young, you just soak up experiences knowledge without even learning. It's a marvellous time. And I remember going in the greenhouse with my grandfather, who was a, an amazing gardener anyway, and he'd say, don't pick that tomato, do pick that tomato, and, you know, taste that tomato. What do you think of that? And so, yeah, my background, I was very, very lucky. You know, we worked hard. Typical farmer, you work seven days a week. But man, I wish I could step back in time now. Well, you mentioned Arthur, yeah. and he's your son. He is. And you're encouraging him to grow as well. Yeah, yeah. I've got children in my first marriage and they've all grown up, beautiful as they are, and I'm going to be a grandfather this year. But yeah, my little boy, Arthur, he was amazing. We're doing a little uh, Instagram, growing with dad and son, because it's just a passion of mine to see children get into it. It's, it's something that children enjoy, it's something that parents enjoy, and it's something that the parents also learn as they go along as well. It's a great thing. You know, you get your hands dirty, and you do things together. Isn't it much better than looking at a phone all day? Absolutely. And how old's Arthur? Well, he's four, going on 14. Yeah. So you started growing some veg with Arthur. I mean, you're in the ideal spot. You can't avoid the fact that you're surrounded by vegetables and flowers growing. What things have you started off? Well, we started a little, little bit. We were growing some Florence fennel. We're trying to incorporate a lot of new things into the actual farm shop as well. And Florence fennel is one of the vegetables that we, we see becoming more popular nowadays. So me and Arthur were doing some basic things like planting Florence fennel, something that grows and comes out quick. We planted some broad beans, again another thing that you can plant very quickly and see results very quickly. I can remember when I was a little kiddie, about 10, having a first spade and fork and having a little bit of garden for myself. And my mum, because she was very wise, thought I'd buy him some radish. Right now, anyone can grow radish, but in my day, I thought I was being amazing. So I can remember growing French breakfast, long white icicle, and scarlet globe. I can remember still to this day. And you saw results very quickly, and that's exciting as a kid. You're not waiting and going, "Oh, what's happening?" So if you can involve your children into growing something that has got quick results, fantastic. It's the same like getting involved in growing a sunflower. So this is what we're going to move on to, we'll be doing flowers as well. And they can measure them, they can see how it's growing, they, you know, they know they planted it, and it's all sort of fun. 
So, yeah, that's the way forward, I think. And, and how can people watch these little Instagram videos that you're doing? Well, just follow us on Dirty Marsh Farm. And we hope to just do a open couple of hours for families and their children to come and join us. And we're getting a really great lot of interest in that. So keep following us, and when we got an open day, we'll do a day's events for the, the kids and parents, and hopefully, you know, it'll inspire some people to go on and be the next Chelsea gold medalist. I mean, I still get excited by seeing a polytunnel. <laughs> <laughs> we're a sad bunch, aren't we? I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> The possibilities are endless, aren't they? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you can grow, even grow your new potatoes at Christmas time in the polytunnel. It's the same as anything else. It's, it's how you manage anywhere. Uh, it's basic things, but again, on, on the programme we'll be doing, we'll be going through some of these basic things just to make your growing much more easier and get the best results. And how are things at the farm shop here? Well, it's been a tough year, Claire, to be fair. We're in a climate that is very uncertain. You know, we've got to remember, and I hope the public are aware, that farm shops, not just ourselves, but farm shops, farmers, and all that in general, are going to have a tough time. We've struggled this year. We've just had a bad year. I don't know whether it was a, the end of season, COVID, whatever you might call it, but the nature of the beast is it's been really tough. Now, we can understand that people and families have got to tighten their budgets a little bit. Not only the fuel costs going up, but veg prices are going up. Running costs for things to go on the soil, fertilisers doubled, trebled even, and you try to offset your costs. We can only do so much with our margins, even though we are working hard to keep our margins as low as possible. But we're not like supermarkets. We haven't got the monopoly and we can't govern what we're going to pay for it. But we supported a lot, of, not just ourselves, but again other farmers and farm shops and that were supporting a lot of people when the COVID crisis was going on. And we put ourselves out there. We hope that people will keep supporting the local economy. It's very important because to see them go is going to be a big hole because you've got a shop that can offer unusual items. You've got fresh produce coming in where it can. You've got very good seasonal produce coming in when it can. And you've got a really good camaraderie between staff and customers, which you don't get. It's, it's more family-like when you walk in the door. So please support the local farm shops. And you've got, of course, the pick your own farm as well. Is it a bit early yet for asparagus or is that that coming up? Well, you see, we've got a competition going, Claire, and I know you're trying to sort of wheedle it out of me what, um, what the date will be so that you can put in a late entry and win it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all I can say at the moment, I know for a fact that uh, last week uh, some work was being done on the asparagus fields and there was no sign of asparagus. So it surprised me. It was lovely warm conditions for me, and I thought it'd be sort of poke its nose out of the ground, but it's not. Oh. So, but I would say, you know, it won't be long. We'll be soon having asparagus on the shop floor. Lovely. I love coming here and picking fruit. I can't well, even wait. Even all the storms we get. Well, I don't know. I'm going to get a bit nervous Next time now. we come up in the summer, it'll be snowing. <laughs> I'm getting a bit scared every time I turn up. <laughs> I'm getting scared I'm when you get. turn up. I am. It's not just you. Maybe next time there'll be this amazing heat wave. But it is a great place here. It's a beautiful spot. And it's been lovely catching up with you, Paul. Thanks very much for talking to me. No, thank you, Claire. Nice to see you again. And that's it for this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Mark Ford, Steve Field, Stephen Martin, Paul Abbott, John Walker and Susie Wilde, as well as to the blossoming Shine Radio team who support the show and help to put it together. We end this week's Peapod with a song called Clever Clogs from Portsmouth-based funk-hop lad rap artist Tommy Brown, featuring Kylie O. So from Joff and I this week, bye! bye. I'm staying.
Cause she hungry, I'm currently running We're hiding, it's cold in the night But do you mind it? It's sunny inside of your mind Sunny, I cloaked it, it's right to be letting it light So get up and stretch up to open your blind Hurriedly rushing, we're hunting for signs Of a life that we live out, I live out my time Clever clock, I watch the news, not that sorry, mean remorse or ever stop our worries. Who's running around a hurry bunch? I'm solid when I spend our funds, I'm bored of wars. I come to understand the flaws in man, got a hunch. Self-fulfilling laws will make it harder for the poor in any given land to make a plan and grow. I know to sow the seed is what for lead of poetry, but progress means in life we go to peace, we understand. Got the underhand. We protest and the course is alright, but what's left when we're lying alone in the night? We're crying in our homes before our time. I'm hoping to find that peace of mind. I'm staring down a barrel of this gun Unraveling my tongue, graveling my throat Still it when they run Get my money and I travel I've come in to look after number one I win I got no choice, I'm staring down a barrel of this gun Unraveling my tongue, graveling my throat Still it when they run Get my money and I travel I've come in to look after number one I win I got no choice, I'm staring down a barrel of this gun Unraveling my tongue, graveling my throat Still it when they run Get my money and I travel Meet Generation Green. Young voices with the environmental issues that matter to them. Sometimes we can stand in awe at how wonderful the natural world is. However, the magnitude of climate change can become overwhelming to all of us. That's why on Generation Green, Mia Webster and myself, Olivia Wilkie, are on a mission to spread positive action and to take this global matter back to our local community in Petersfield. With recommendations, positive news and debates on global issues, no one is too small to make a difference. Generation Green from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Tuesday nights at 8 and always online at shineradio.uk.